welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramus, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we are discussing CIC issue number 133, the priesthood of every believer. Last week, we were talking about the sacrifice of praise, and we are going to continue that discussion. If you're following along on the PDF, we're in the middle of page five. Now, you have a great block quote from Luther there. Would you like to share that with us? Yes. Let me read that, and this will really tell us what was going on and what the issues were, and we can apply those. Here's what Luther said at that time. Therefore, that which they boast of as a singular sacrifice is indeed a singular sacrifice of a singular priesthood, but of a kind in which no Christian could or should be a participant. He should, on the contrary, denounce such a participation as idolatry and a most blasphemous abuse and pray to be as far removed as possible from a part of it, however ancient and universal they allege it to be. Wow. And so he says, don't participate. You want to get away from that. It doesn't matter. Remember an earlier episode, we talked about their claim, we are ancient, we are many, therefore we are right. Yes. So, okay, over a thousand years or however long this sort of sacrifice was considered valid, it certainly didn't come from the scriptures. Right. How long something has been around isn't what makes it true or false. No. And we have every reason to believe that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant word of God. And we've talked about that a lot. And so the issue isn't somebody being too mean or too, um, how would you say it? My, if, I, if I say that, then none of my relatives will like me or things like that. But Luther was willing to stand up and say that to the whole world Wow! that he knew. And why would he say such a thing in those terms? Well, their singular priesthood wasn't Jesus Christ who died for sins once for all. It was a mass that they contrived that wasn't given by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't revealed in Scripture. And it was a, a false sacrifice that God never ordained. And so that will not help you. And we know that it doesn't. Last week, we also looked at other passages that talk about once for all, the blood of Jesus was shed once for all. But people want to do works. Yes, I think it's just part of human nature. Somehow or another, it's got to be about us and what we do. Well, it is because of the fall. Yes. And the fact that God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves is what offends every religious person. Right. Exactly. And this goes all the way back to Abel. Oh, yeah, that's Abel, true. Which is also mentioned in the book of Hebrews. And if you're a regular listener, a reader of Critical Issues Commentary, It'd be really good to just study the book of Hebrews. That's right. And there is an excellent series 
on the CIC website, if you go under radio and then click by series, you can just scroll down till you find Hebrews. And there's over 50 episodes yeah. in, in the Hebrews series that really goes verse by verse through the whole book of Hebrews. Yeah, many people who become born again Christians who were part of Roman Catholicism and leave, they find the book of Hebrews to be very helpful as they grow in their faith. Yes. And understanding what was going on, and I think we'll see that as we go forward here, but once for all is so important. I actually brought along here some passages I've read recently about okay. once for all. There's one word in the Greek, hapax, that is used, and it means once for all or once and never again. Okay. It's applied several times in, to sacrifices that are done either every year, which isn't once for all, or the one done by Christ, which is once for all. So let me just read a couple of these, okay? All right. Compared to the other ones, Hebrews 9, 7 says, but into the second, only the high priest enters once a year, not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. So once a year he goes in, but he has to keep doing it. Right. Okay. Because he's still a sinner. Yes. The high priest sinned. And then there's a, lot, there's a whole priest, priestly category, the Levites, and he's still a sinner after that, and he, so are the people. Well, and, and unlike Jesus, the high priest had to, had to make a sacrifice for his own sin before he could sacrifice for the others, too. It really was nothing like what we have in Christ. Yeah, it didn't really solve the problem, and that was the argument of the book of Hebrews. So what that, that priesthood did once a year, the Roman Catholic priesthood is doing continually over and over and over. And they may say, well, we're looking, ultimately, it's going to work. Right. But it doesn't. In comparison, it says Hebrews 9.28, so Christ also having offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time for salvation without reverence to sin to those who eagerly await him. That's Hebrews 9.28. Yes. So what, does, what is that all about? Wow. You really just cannot reconcile Catholicism and the book of Hebrews. You so just can't. If you believe in Christ and his blood was shed once, to take away the sins of all who believe in him and trust him. If you haven't done so today, trust in Christ alone. Yes. The very creator of the universe who came into our world, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, predicted his own death, burial, and resurrection, shed his blood once for all, and appeared to many witnesses and bodily ascended to heaven. He rules at the right hand of God. He's a priest forever who will hear us when we pray to him, as we said earlier. Otherwise, you go to some Christianized version of religion where it's just over and over and over, and he's going to appear a second time without reference to sin. What would happen to you if you 
kept going and then, well, I didn't get there. And I, and I sinned when I went out of the mass and I cussed at somebody, whatever happens. I've heard a lot of interesting stories about people I worked with who never felt like they were free. He appeared a second time without reference to sin. What would happen if Christ returned? Right. Well, I didn't get there soon enough. Now I'm in trouble. Yeah. Well, then they offer sacrifices for the dead and and so on. And so it's a works-based religion that removes the once for all. It's gone. Yeah. And the Mass is a re-sacrificing of Christ, as Luther pointed out. It is. And, and as you just mentioned, they do this for the dead also. Right. So we mentioned last week, Hebrews 13, 5, we have a sacrifice of praise, which is we can praise God. We can gather together. We can remember the Lord's death until he comes. We're looking for, forward to his coming in the Lord's Supper because we're looking forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're not thinking, oh boy, I'm in trouble. Right. Unless we're not really trusting Christ. So I, I continue to comment on what Luther was dealing with in his day. Uh, by the way, some will say, well, Lutherans have their own version of that. I'm not defending any version of um, creedalism that has developed in church history, even after the Reformation. We're wanting everyone, whatever your background, to go back to Scripture and learn it yourself. And gather and look at what God said. Right. That's really, and that's what God calls us to do, to be students of his word and to learn and to grow. Yes. And so this is an essential doctrine. This isn't just something that it doesn't need to be taught. If I was going to think of, okay, so I've been people, uh, I was too, we're in this group and that group trying to be better Christians we were looking for apostles that beyond the ones in the Bible that do greater miracles. We were in this movement or that movement. We were in the holiness movement. We were in the second blessing movement. We were in this and that and the other thing. And it didn't really ever deliver what we thought we were going to have because in the end, we're still trying harder, doing more and not having confidence in the once for all work of God in Christ and means of grace that we have access to. So yes. where do you go? Well, when I had to try to decide that, I thought, here's where we go. Let's go back to the authority of scripture and priesthood of every believer and see what God said. Amen. And that's really what we have to do. Yes, it's essential. And if things get off track, you can always go back search the scriptures, be Bereans. You can go to God. It doesn't mean we don't need each other. We do. Right. We gather and we search. And we'll come to that when we talk about judging doctors in this series. Okay. But this is, this is essential. Yes. And so speaking of, of judging doctrine, you have a quote in here from the Council of Trent that I think is really important because it just shows how seriously the Catholic Church takes this and how far into error they have gone. Yes, yeah, so let's 
quote that is interesting. Yeah. And I know what the response is, but let me quote what they said. Okay. This is the canon, uh, I think it's on canon on justification. And this is canon three of Trent. And it says, if anyone saith that the sacrifice of the mass is only a sacrifice of praise and of thanksgiving, or that it is a bare commemoration of the sacrifice consummated on the cross, but not a propitiatory sacrifice, or that it profits him only who receives, and that it ought not to be offered for the living and the dead for sins, pains, satisfactions, and other necessities, let him be anathema. Wow. Okay, what, so they really just right there anathematize the gospel itself. Yes. And before that quote, I mentioned that when I was in seminary, I wrote about this. And I got a call from a, a man I'd been in seminary with, and he had rejected Sola Scriptura and go back to Rome. And he was happy in Rome. Wow. So why so would you do that other than, well, for one thing, not everybody who is part of an evangelical church really has been born of God. I, I can't judge somebody else's soul. But if you know the once for all and you trust in that and your sins are forgiven and you have the hope of eternal life, why would you want all of that? Right. The, and the, if you reject scripture alone, that means scripture is not uniquely inspired by the spirit. That means the means of grace are, are not effective because they're accessible by anyone who would come together and read the scripture and believe the truth and remember the Lord's death. And if you go back to this, you, you're anathematized uh, if you even say that Christ did it all. Wow. And I mean, for them to say, you know, if anyone saith that the sacrifice of the mass is only a sacrifice of praise and of thanksgiving, okay, let them be anathema. We read yeah. this last time, but I'm going to read it again. We've got Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Which are you going to believe? acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, it says there. Yeah. So we're giving an acceptable sacrifice of praise to God because of what he did for us, not what we're going to do for him. Well, I'll tell you what the answer is, though. I'm not ignorant of the fact that Trent was a response to these sort of claims that Luther made. Well, if you get the more later, as you keep getting the catechisms, and I was doing that back in seminaries, reading the, as it came along, the newer catechism, they don't say, well, Trent was wrong. They okay. just add layers of things. Well, Vatican II, and then we had this, and we had this, and then we now we have more of a open-minded Pope that everybody's okay. So by the time they're all added together, you have so many contradictions so much confusion that it really doesn't matter anymore. They claim these things, they anathemize people, and they don't say, 
oh, we were wrong. We shouldn't have done that. They just keep going on until they become ecumenical. Well, and, and really by their own doctrine, they can't say we were wrong there because they, they claim that these councils and the Pope speak authoritatively for God. So right. how can you be wrong? Well, one thing I would not want to do, and, I, and that's why it's really important to study, you don't want to go out into the arena of public debate with a really weak argument that somebody can just beat you with. Right. And so the previous way that that was dealt with, because why would you go out and defend this? And somebody said, well, this is what you said. Well, okay. now you need to understand this. Maybe it means this and maybe it means that. Well, that's a very weak argument. It is. And there are people that are nice and they're conservative. And I'm not here to mock people who just don't understand the gospel. But don't make these claims publicly if somebody that knows the truth can refute them. Right. It doesn't help your cause. No. Okay, so no, I, I made this citation here in my article that I about that. I said this. Notice that their claim was that propitiatory sacrifices are being offered even for the dead. Wow. And so if you go about living for Satan your whole life and not turning to Christ and being an atheist or anything, whatever you want to be, but you happen to have been born into a Roman Catholic church, well, that maybe your relatives will it's still going to work out. That's right. And and yeah. we wow. just recently experienced this too. I mentioned last episode about the Catholic family of my in-laws. They, if somebody passes away, it's immediately, oh, we'll start praying for them. And they're giving to the church on behalf of the deceased. And I mean, this isn't just something that was true in the Reformation era. They still do this. This is practiced today. Yes, and some who are really wanting to get it right will go back to even to the Latin mass, thinking that's better. I just heard that recently. And yeah. how is it better to have a service in a language that you don't understand? The, the alternative is only one thing, and that's the gospel itself. That's right. And, and the language issue was one of the Reformation issues, too. People yeah. need the word of God in their own commonly spoken language. Yes. Luther called it the common vernacular. Yes. And we fought that battle too, because people want to resurrect several hundred year old Bible that people can't understand because all the rest of them are polluted. Right. So I fought that. Well, so we can't hear the gospel in the common vernacular. And yeah, and, and the whole issue at the time of when the King James Bible came out was to get it into the common vernacular. Right, and so um, if somebody read English from uh, 400 years before that, they wouldn't even be able to read it. We had to try that when I was a kid. Okay. Have you ever tried to read really old English? I remember in high school, we had to read Chaucer. Oh, it's oh, it was Not so hard. Vulgar. In well, my anyhow. experience, Latin is actually way better. <laughs> well, the point is that is covered too, and we'll talk about that when we come to judging doctrines. We need to teach the Bible 
explain it and learn the language as it was written in. Some, not everybody can do that. But if enough people understand the, the Greek of the New Testament, and we put a claim out there now, and people can correct us if I maybe I didn't understand it totally accurately, but that's not hidden. There's yes. that's, that's interpreting. Okay. And believing what it said once for all, hopox is is what it means is that once and never again. Even in very scholarly articles, they'll say if there's a word only used once. This is a New Testament hopox, what that means. It's the only time it's used in the entire Greek New Testament. But sometimes we can figure out what it means by context or where it was used in the Septuagint or whatever. That's what that word means. Okay. It's used in the New Testament for what Christ did when he shed his blood. Right. And that and so was once for all. And if you say that our sacrifice isn't propitiatory, covering, removing, taking away sins. Then anathema to you. Right. You so, say in your article, please consider the profundity of the implications before us. Propitiation means the aversion of God's wrath against sin. Rome claims that their mass is propitiatory and must be offered again and again, even for the dead. That is so serious. Yes. And when I've talked to people who did go back to Rome, friends and relatives, neighbors, not so much relatives, I don't have Catholic relatives, but people, uh, you babysit some people that yeah. decided to go back. And I, I don't get it. I think that it's sort of like the, the families are a, a big pull for a lot of people. Right. It it's sure a part is. of the extended clan of the Roman Catholic family. Okay. Yeah. I understand people wanting family relationships. However, the removal of sin once for all is way more important than having the people that we grew up with like us. It is. And, you know, part of that, we just need to trust God in those situations. It's hard and there's a pull, but we don't know who's going to be saved or when, is, when God's going to save them, what we need to do is stand firm in the gospel and trust him for the rest. And, and listeners, if you have Catholic family out there, there is an article on the CIC website. And if you just go and put in the search box, the gospel for Roman Catholics, it, it'll come up with that article for you. It's one of the older ones, but it was very well done. And it is just directed at, at Roman Catholics to contend for the faith. Yes, and in regard to common grace, we're not saying that people who are, whether they're agnostic or um, nominal, going to one group or another, most of Christendom is not Christian. Right. Okay, and people want to be religious. Some will say, well, I'm an atheist now, whatever. Common grace means we still are kind, we still care for people. We still want a civil society that's livable. Right. As much as possible. Mm -hmm. But our focus is the eternal. Yes. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his self or soul? 
Wow, nothing. Yeah. And so that citation, I want to continue from where you read, Jessica. Okay. So this, so that has to be done over and over. But then here's another thing that I uh, made a statement about. Anyone who even dares to say that Christ once for all sacrifice satisfied God's wrath against sin forever for those who believe is declared to be consigned to hell. That's what anathema means. Yes. So, well, you, they, don't be so harsh because we don't really say that now. But if this was spoken authoritatively by a council, a binding council in session, the creeds and the councils that they spoke, they don't have the authority to reverse their own council. Right. And they haven't. And, and I've said that to different people at different times. Trent has never been repealed and they no. can't. They, if they got up and say, Trent was a lie, don't listen to it. Now we, they don't do that. They just confuse people by adding layers to what supposedly was authoritative decree of the church. Right. And uh, it just continually confuses people. Uh, let's so, read that um, passage from Hebrews 9 that you have here. For then he would have had to suffer again and again since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the age to remove sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for mortals to die once, and after that the judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Wow. That is Hebrews 9, 26 through 28. Eagerly waiting for him. I don't see how you can look at Hebrews 9, 26 through 28, believe what it says in context, and then go to Mass and say, no, that's what's going to do it. Wow. You just can't. Exactly. We okay. are almost out of time. Do you just want to give us a quick wrap up? Sure. I'll, I'll do that. Rome claims to have a liturgy, this is my statement, that must be repeated over and over for propitiation, but it never decisively removes sins. Yes. It just doesn't. Propitiation is averting God's wrath against sin. So throughout their lives, those in bondage to Roman Catholicism have to keep going back. And then the process is needed after death or so they claim. But the once for alls really is, is what deals with this. And I, I quoted Hebrews 9, 12. And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Jesus entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Wow. That's Once the for all, and it's eternal. And how, however you're treated by people who say, well, you, you, you're in big trouble. You didn't go to mass. You didn't do what we told you to do. Wow. You have to, in the end, 
trust what God said and what God did. Amen. Amen. We can trust the promises of God. We can trust that he is working in us, that which is pleasing in his sight, and we can offer him the sacrifice of praise. Amen. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others as well as years worth of articles at the website cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We would love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis and Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week.